Guy here from the Blood Red team. Hope you're all well and sorry to interrupt, but we just got a quick message for you before you get on with the episode that you're listening to. And while we don't have any football right now, here at Blood Red, we have got our own transfer news to let you know about. From now on, our podcast channel will be hosted on the Global Player app. Well, what does that mean? Well, don't worry. If you listen to us on any other platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Acast, that's fine. But to get our pods quicker than anywhere else, you might want to download the Global Player app as our pods will be on there before they're released on any other player. The Global Player app is available to download on iOS and the Google Play Store or wherever it is you get your apps from. You can also find them at globalplayer.com. That's all from me. I'll let you get back on with the episode that you're expecting to hear. This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Analyzing Anfield. I'm Josh Williams, and I'm joined once again by David Hughes. How are you getting on, mate? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. I'm, uh, I'm not too bad, thank you. Still going, yeah? Yeah, still uh, still going strong. I'm not sure what week this is now from home. This might be week three, week four, something like that. Yeah, it's all uh, it's all it's all merging into one. In fact, last week, legitimately, I, uh, I finished that on uh, on Thursday evening, and I was like, you know what? I'm a little bit burnt out here. I can't wait for Monday because it's bank holiday, and um, I had no idea it was Good Friday the next day just because of how kind of messy the uh, the weeks are at the moment. And I nearly did a somersault in the uh, in the living room. I was I was made up, but it just made me laugh because I was like, it just shows that completely losing track of time at the moment because I legitimately had no idea, and I don't think that's ever happened to me since I started working uh, when I was like seventeen, eighteen. So, um, yeah, madness, mad, mad period. Yeah, I mean, we had a few days off, didn't we? But back to it now, back delivering the content. Yeah, hopefully, there's still people with us. Uh, we appreciate that it's been quite a while now without football, so I assume it's the diehards who are still going, still craving that content. So we are going to round off a series this episode because we've been, I'll go through it again for those that haven't been listening, I'll provide a little explainer every week, but what we've been doing is we've been recreating Liverpool's first 11, um, as though that first 11 didn't exist, but we still want them to play in exactly the same way. So Firmino dropping off, Salah running in behind, the midfield being all industrious and stuff like that. We did the attack two weeks ago, front three. We did the midfield three last week. And this week we are on to the final chapter. So that's Alisson and the back four. Um, so because it's five players this time, uh, we've got one player for each position rather than having two, as we have done the past couple of weeks. Um, I don't know what, who Dave's picked. Dave doesn't know what I've picked. Um, don't think there's anything else to add. So we'll we'll get stuck in and start at the very back. So we'll start with Alisson. Um, so replacing Alisson's output as though a player could come in immediately and Liverpool wouldn't really suffer a massive drop-off in terms of quality or in terms of style of play. So what have you gone for, Dave? Um, so I've started with a, um, a keeper playing this trade in the French league, um, and that's um, Pedrag Rakovic. Um, Done well with that. <laughs> oh, thank you, mate. Yeah, I know. I, uh, I was panicking to be honest because you know what I'm like for names. Yeah, uh, a little bead of sweat actually. <laughs> but um, Poor yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I 
he makes me look good. But he plays <laughs> for uh, Stadia Rems, which I think I've got that pronunciation is correct as well. Or there mm. or thereabouts. You know, it's difficult. Uh, but he's um, he was signed from Maccabi, uh Tel Aviv last season for just three million. Well, say last season in the summer. Um, and he's gone on to be one of Ligon's success stories. He's been really, really strong. Um, 12 clean sheets, which obviously we know um, you can't always just attribute that to goalkeepers alone. It's normally good defence that plays a part as well, but it's still it's still impressive. Um, he's got a really big frame, uh, six foot three inches, um, and he has the best save percentage in the division with the eighty-one point two five percent, which again is impressive uh, for context. How old did you say he was? So he's twenty-four. Okay, which is still a um, it's pretty young now for the goalkeeper, as we know. Yeah, because I remember. Uh... Few years back, like I don't know, say three or four years ago, playing football manager quite quite often. And oh yeah, I, I would call him being a bit of a wonder kid at the mm. age of around eighteen or something like that. Wonder kid goalkeeper. I think he was playing in uh, the you know Eastern Europe sort of yeah. sort of place. So I think it's the same keeper to be honest. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's interesting that he only really made a move to like a top five European league in the summer. Um, because normally talent like that, you'd expect to be picked up sooner. So I don't really know what the story is with that. Um, but yeah, you know, he just he looks really good in the metrics this season. As uh, he's got a post shot expected goals against of twenty two point seven nine, uh, meaning you know, in basic terms, for those who maybe don't understand, he'd be expected to concede around twenty three open play goals this season. He's only conceded nineteen, which is a is a decent uh, over performance and a testament to. To his abilities, but um, he's also now. I, I must stress it's it, it's quite difficult to capture things like uh, ability on the ball for the keeper. I think uh, in terms of numbers, anyway, I think you have to watch them. I've watched some of his clips, and he looks he does look good on the ball. He looks composed. They don't play in the same way that Liverpool play. You know where Alisson's quite often like a sweeper keeper, isn't he? Uh, we talk, we said down the show many times. You know, he don't, I, I didn't see a lot of those examples, but. When he was on the ball, he looked composed. Um, so potentially he could turn into that that style of keeper maybe one day if he did make a move to somewhere, you know, somewhere like Hanfield with Liverpool. Um, you know, in terms of an actual chance of signing for Liverpool, um, I mean, he only cost three million a year ago. Yeah, obviously you'd expect that to be a lot higher now, but I still don't think it'd be breaking the bank. And you know, could he potentially be um, a player who could come in as a number two and then? progress to number one further down the line I don't know but I think he's a he's a good play to start with and uh, he's one to watch even if he doesn't end up coming to Anfield he's one to watch that may end up coming to the Premier League at some point yeah it's funny isn't it just how uh, how Eastern Europe seems to produce these goalkeepers um, like I'm thinking I'm thinking Jan Oblach Petr mm. Cech just proper legendary goalkeepers seem to <laughs> seem to originate from like Czech Republic and you know countries like that yeah, no, that's a good point. That I don't know if the um, things like um, like basketball and stuff seem to be quite um, relevant over there. Don't whereas it's not huge in Europe. They seem to like Eastern Europe. Do seem to you know play it a fair bit. I'm no expert. It's just well, 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 I've kind of picked up a lot of football teams seem to have like things like basketball teams as well. And uh, I don't know if maybe that plays a part. And I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Just you think of the likes of Serbia. Slovakia, Slovenia, and mm. places like that. 
it, it, it tends to be, and there's no science behind this at all, but it tends to be the further back you go on the pitch, the higher the quality is. You don't mm-hmm. you don't usually get that many uh, Eastern European strikers who are really. I mean, Luka Jovic comes to mind. Uh, there's obviously a few of them in that, but usually the closer you get to defence and goalkeeper, the better the standards get. So, yeah, interesting little note there. So for me, I found it a little bit tricky, uh, just because Allison's, you know, there's a reason he broke the world record for for his fee, um, and he's quite he, he's quite complete. He's commanding figure, bit of a leader, very brave and bold in his actions. A technical kind of player, big shot stopper, and he dominates. And I found this to be quite important. He dom- he dominates his, his whole defensive third sometimes, uh, which which coincides with Liverpool playing a high line and very proactive game. So I found it tricky to find the goalkeeper that could do it. Uh, but I went for Unai Simon or Unai Simon. I'm not sure exactly how you how you pronounce that. Not the Spanish uh, guys, yeah, Athletic Bilbao. Mm. Uh, another club who I think synonymous with, with goalkeepers. Not sure the hair came from Bilbao or Madrid, Athletic Madrid. Remember that? Yeah, I think yeah, he was. I, I think he was Madrid, but I might be. I might be wrong. Um, but obviously, yeah. Kepa come from there, didn't he? I know he hasn't. I know yeah, he's had Kepa a tough season, but um, yeah. So he's he's twenty two years old anyway. Very similar to your keeper in terms of his his frame. He's another who's six foot three, uh, the same height as Allison actually. Um, and yeah, one 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 issue I wouldn't I wouldn't call it an issue, but one one thing I did try to to find in the numbers is how how proactive he was, how brave he was in terms of coming off his line. Because I think Liverpool really suffered, particularly with Mignolet and I think Aidy and since in certain moments, just that fear of coming off your line. I hate it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to find a goalkeeper that had it about him to, to, to do things like that. So uh, I checked the metric. At average distance from goal um, that a keeper's defensive actions originate from. Um, and he's he's seventh in La Liga for his average distance where he's doing where he's doing things. So not particularly special, but he's not he's obviously not the type to, to stick to his line. Um and it remains to be seen whether the whether that stat that I've used is absolutely perfect and whether it catches a goalkeeper's traits or a team's traits because 20th on the list for La Liga, I think it was it was either 20th or, you know, bottom three was Jan Oblach. But obviously that stems, stems back to Atletico Madrid's style of play, the whole deep block thing. So he's not really uh, required to come off his line. So, yeah, I, th- I, think, I think he's proactive enough for me. As I said, 22 years old, big player. Um, and in terms of his... his is saving. He's having a decent season. You've just mentioned there, post-shot, expected goals, uh, which considers more than just the location of the shots that a keeper's faced. It will consider, you know, the power of the shot, the placements of the shots, and things like that. He's overperforming that this season by about seven goals uh, in La Liga, that is. Um, so, you know, that, that's, that offers an insight into a decent shot stopper there. Uh, distribution for me was again similar to yourself was fine. I don't think anything particularly special, but I think if you're going to go looking for special keepers in that regard, you're going to be looking for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's, he's good enough for me there. And in terms of his attainability, it's probably going to be as is regarding Bilbao. In terms of you just got to pay his release clause, I'm not sure what that is. It's probably a lot. Uh, 
but yeah, it's just it's purely speculation anyway. I mean, we're not going to replace Allison anytime soon. But th- this is a lad that showed up as decent and showed up as capable in terms of just stepping in for him. And Liverpool shouldn't drop a great deal. Mm. You were on Dave Yeah, yeah. No, I am. Yeah, it's, um, I was just thinking about the point that you said there about in terms of fees. It's it's, it's like their um, business model, isn't it? Ball bars where it's kind of. Um, it, hold on, just on that, they don't like. Am I right in saying they don't like to be called Bill Bowers? There's something behind that. Probably. I'm yeah. probably offending the whole country or something. No, no, I, 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 it literally, <laughs> as I said it then, I was thinking, and I feel like someone's told me on that before. Maybe someone will clarify that for us. But um, yet their kind of, I suppose, business model really is, you know, having these high release clauses and making a lot of money off the sales, which is why they kind of are able to keep that tradition of bringing local players through. Um so yeah, I think it's interesting. But yeah, no, he looks a good goal- goalkeeper. Admittedly, I didn't know his numbers were as good as as you said there. I didn't know he was, for example, uh, overperforming against his post-shot XG by what was it, nearly seven goals? Nearly seven. Yeah, I think there's one goalkeeper in Spain who's doing more than that with about twelve. But I think he was about, I think he was about thirty-five years old or something. So obviously oh, he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, sounds impressive. Yeah. So uh, in terms of defence, we'll go <coughs> we'll go left to right. I think. So uh, start off with Andy Robertson. Now, I mean, I'm happy to go first, but I'm always conscious that you're always giving me first dibs here. Do you want to do you want to start us off or are you not bothered? Uh, yeah, come on, I'll turn yeah. the Okay, mate, come on, so, um, fair, isn't it? For this for this one, I've actually got I've picked I've picked the player because we were sticking to one. But I'm going to throw in another two names. Okay. And I've got another name for the right back role as well, but we'll get to that. So uh, I actually, but mate, it's just someone I want to throw in. But yeah, go on. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of Robertson, I just want my criteria sort of thing was I wanted an aggressive player, uh, clearly very hungry and, and industrious and stuff like that, energetic, complete engine, uh, crucially a good attack, you know, comfortable attacking because Liverpool tend to attack through the full-backs and let the midfield kind of just sit. Obviously, the midfield I picked last week includes Dennis Sakharaya, Wilfred Ndidi and someone else, can't remember who the one was, but with the midfield kind of that that industrious and that discipline to be like, I'm going to need offensive full-backs to, to play the way Liverpool do, so... Uh, yeah, I wanted a runner, someone who's capable of running, uh, penetrating defences with his runs and good delivery of the ball. So, tough. But I, I went down the route of Aaron Mann, um, 22 years old from Mainz. He's Spanish and his expected assists this season is actually higher than Robertson's per 90. Um, good delivery and things like that. It looked like a, a capable run up and down the flank has played as a wing-back. Um, and he, he just applied enough for me to... I mean, I, I, maybe he'll have to improve his, his defensive game and his aggression and things like that because I don't think he's got that kind of... Uh, I don't know, it sounds a little bit your but when you think of those Scottish players, the real, like, you know, grit and, and, and that mm. sort of thing, Aaron Martin wouldn't be in Spanish playing in Germany. He's probably, he's probably going to need a little bit of toughen up, a little bit of filling out. Uh, but go on. I was gonna say, how old is he again? Sorry, he's 22. 22. 
Yeah, and another thing is right, he takes his team set pieces, which mm. Liverpool's fullbacks do. And the fact he takes this, his team set pieces suggests that he's got a good delivery on and he, he's got a bit of technique about him. So, yeah, he, he was my choice. I'll let you say yours and then I'll mention my other two. Right, okay, yeah. I think mine is a little bit uh, a little bit more obvious, but I just, I can't help but not, not say this player. It's uh, Alfonso Davies at... Um... Alfonso, Alfonso Davis, sorry, at Bayern Munich. Um, just because he's, he looks like he's going to be an unbelievable player. Um, obviously, he's Canadian-born. He is Canadian-born, isn't he? I'm right in saying. Yeah, that. yeah, but, I think uh, so, yeah. Yeah, he, I think, yeah, I think he originally come over as, like, as a left winger, but he's actually proven to be pretty um, pretty good in defence. So, yeah, he's been playing as like a left wing-back and... Yeah, he's just been fantastic. You know, some of the things you were touching on there, you were saying about um, a really good eight engine, fast, um, great at carrying the ball. Um, and then he's got things like a pinpoint passing range uh, he, and he's confident in possession. He's just a really, really good player. Um, he, 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 yeah, quite often you'll see him bombing down the flank, which is quite often what you see Robertson do, just picking up the ball and running with it. He's got a decent bit of skill as well. Um, and yeah, he's... I was having a little bit look at the numbers I was looking at, which I'm sure you've probably been having a gander as well since yesterday, Josh. Uh, some of the metrics that FB Ref have kind of introduced um, over yeah. the last 12 hours. And I was having a look at his um, creating chances per 90. I, I should probably flag the definition, uh, what they've used on that, but I haven't got it to hand. But it's it's basically actions that lead to a lead to a chance creation, or it might even be a shot um, on goal. But... He was he was averaging 0.4 per 90 in the league this season, which is which is pretty good. And for context, Robertson's uh, 0.46. Uh, so the similarities there, and as I said, he's just he seems to have both both uh, the attacking side of the game um, really well. He, he he's got good final ball delivery, but he's also uh, proven to be fairly strong in the defensive side of the game of the game as well. Um, He's only 19, which is ludicrous. Uh, but there's, there's an issue in that. If you were looking at kind of the realism behind any potential transfer, you know, he's, I think he's already valued at upwards of 40 million. Um, I'm, I, I probably think you'd have to pay a lot more to get him as well. So, yeah, that, that, would, was, that was one of the reasons I eventually opted against him because I just thought to myself, like, considering his age and his, his potential ceiling. I just wonder how, how much it costs to get him away from Bayern. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of be, being applicable to Liverpool, you know, undoubtedly you couldn't mm. possibly deny that. Like. But yeah, um, so yeah, I think he's a really good player. Then said it might not it might not go on to be, ever, ever be a realistic target unless Liverpool really wanted to, you know, fork out to bring some, some quality after Robertson in that position. But I think he's going to be a great player. Yeah. Uh, so the the two players that I felt applied and didn't mention, uh, one I deliberately left for you, thinking you'd say <laughs> uh, Robert Scov. Because <laughs> you've said that he spoke about it, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you mentioned it a few weeks ago, I didn't actually know he was playing left back and that. And when, when I got the numbers up today, he was one of the top, the you know the top names for me that that kept sticking out, especially considering his attacking output and stuff like that. So. But I thought to myself, Dave mentioned them a few weeks ago. Another name as well that I'm not even going to mention, but people would have probably expected me to say Jamal Lewis, but I opted mm-hmm. not to say him just because 
you know, mix it up a little bit. I think that's uh, the reason, to be honest, I didn't mention a scoff, just because you don't want to look like a one-trick pony. It's kind of saying the same, yeah. same names, I guess. Yeah, but this, this, this other name is a bit of a wild card, and it doesn't really apply, but I think it does apply. And I'm not looking at positions rigidly here. So, and I've saw this, I've saw this, this uh, about on Twitter. So, uh, Dwight McNeil. Oh, okay. What do you think? Well, obviously he's not glamorous, is he? Um... He's not right, but he's English, mm. athletic, up and down the flank, left-footed, yeah. good delivery. Mm. If he was to play him as a left back at Liverpool, he it wouldn't be that different to his current left wing role at Burnley. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I do really, really like him. I think he, he is a really good player. Um, is he still? Is it twenty years, Josh? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm saying actually, I didn't check it, but I'm not, I know it's like absolute max twenty three. There's no way he's older than that. Uh, but he's just twenty. Yeah. Is he? 20. 20, twenty. That's yeah. mad. Yeah. So you know what? You, yeah, you make a really good point actually because those that kind of traditional winger role isn't really there at Liverpool, is it? So we couldn't really do that, but as a that's why these players are kind of getting readjusted to these wing-back positions. Um, yeah, I mean, you know what, I like we've, spoke, we've spoke about uh, David Beckham being, you know, if he was in Liverpool's current team, I think he'd be a right-back. Mm. I think McNeil is similar. I think, you know, considering he's homegrown in English and stuff like that. I've just, I've saw, I remember seeing one or two people on Twitter mention it. I think Sam Maguire might have mentioned it regularly listen to the show, I think. And... Yeah. John O'Sullivan's another fella who, who I've seen mentioning. I'm not sure if he's listening or not. But I, I remember seeing him just thinking, Do you know what? That makes that, that, that's a, a nice little outside the box thought, that one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll leave that one there, we'll leave the left back left back slot there. But I just wanted to throw in what I would consider to be a wild card there. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. So Nigel Van Dijk. <laughs> I'll be honest. I've I've found these the, this little mini series that we've ended up doing it hasn't been easy at all because <laughs> it's just so hard to replace like you know elite players at the top of the game. Go on, what are you gonna say? You know what's you know what's done for me? It's it's made me realise just how rare Liverpool's group is. Mm. Do you know what I mean? In terms yeah. of like how many boxes every player ticks. Like he'll, he, even with like, say for example, Henderson last week, you might find a player who delivers what he delivers roughly on the pitch, but mm. he, he won't, he probably won't tip the leadership box, for example. Yeah. Liverpool yeah. got so many boxes tipped with this team. You're right. You're you you're spot on. Um, so I'll name I'll name a player who who I like who can't who often plays in the same position, but I'm not saying he could he could come in and be Van Dyke. I just. And maybe your play might be, but for me, I'm not sure this player is, but he's got a lot of potential and there's a reason why he's always getting touted for the move to the Premier League. And that's uh, Deos Umecano. <laughs> first time. Is, is, it, is that who you've first done? Time. Yeah, it's the first time we've, we've got the same player. <laughs> well, you know what? It was, it was going to happen once, weren't it? Yeah, yeah. At least with... Um, I was thinking... I me and Josh like not on the same wavelength on any of these, uh, so that's good. But yeah, well, I'll just run through a couple of things and then I'll I'll leave the uh, door open for yourself as well to, yeah, to yeah. add further. But um, quickly on him, I found it interesting. He plays a lot on the left, but he's actually right-footed. I don't know if you you picked up on that. 
Um, yeah, he, I, I think I picked up on the fact that he's he's got a fair amount of minutes on both sides. I think even though he's yeah, predominantly yeah. left. Well, I think they play in a. They'll sometimes play a three at the back, and he may take that central position a little bit more as well. Because my my guess is, I mean, it seems this way in the clips, but it's always worth pointing out if you haven't watched the play a week in week out. I and I haven't, but he looks quite two footed, which is obviously a nice thing to have. And with you pointing out there, they plays both sides. Then he obviously is a little bit, you know, com- he is comfortable on both feet, which is why he's right footed playing on the left. But. Um, yeah, as I said, I won't hog the floor, but really powerful defender. Um, really good positional sense. Uh, always looks composed. You know, we avoid giving away any kind of cheap fouls, which is kind of things that you associate with Van Dijk. It's very rare that you see Van Dijk giving away sloppy fouls in, in, in the in the defensive thirds. Um, I've gone down of giving around giving away around 0.7 per 90, which is it's it's still double what Van Dijk does, but still not a huge amount. Um, really high defensive dual success rate of nearly 80% this season, which, you know, speaks for itself. Uh, really good passive range, capable of, you know, hitting different kinds of balls, you know, in behind the defence, switching the play. Again, stuff that you'd associate with, with Van Dijk. Yeah, I think for me, you know, I, I, with certain players, you'll have the option of going down a bit of an alternative route and end up in the, ending up in the Polish League or something like that. But <laughs> I thought with Van Dijk, I felt like it was a bit of a no-nonsense one, and I just I had to get in a player who was just boss, basically a player who was yeah, just yeah. like, like my criteria for Van Dijk was just complete, uh, very very few weaknesses, fast, aerially dominant, uh, got long passes to his game, um, strong, and in terms of his duels, aerially and on the floor, he wins a lot more than he loses. Uh, so I just felt I had to get in. If I'm losing Virgil, I had to get in a player who was, you know, it was going to be just as much of a pillar in the centre of that defence to, to basically, you know, provide a platform for the rest of the team to attack from, mm-hmm. able to cope in isolation and all stuff like that. So I felt like after, after looking at the numbers for, you know, about, I, I actually felt of the whole five that we're doing, I actually felt Van Dyke was the easiest. Surprisingly, I didn't expect that beforehand. The reason I thought he was the easiest, though, was because of how good Upamecano showed up to to me. Mm -hmm. So when Dijk, when I looked at his numbers, in terms of his aerial duels, he wins 74.6% of his duels in the air. I think I looked at Europe's top five leagues, minimum 1,000 minutes, up until the age of 30. And I think Van Dijk's third for aerial duel success. So he's about the third best in Europe in the air, according to the numbers at least. Van Dijk plays about seven long passes per 90. And his defensive dual success when the ball's on the floor is also, you know, top five in Europe. So when I looked at Upamecano, he hits exactly the same number of long passes per 90. So he also hits seven. He's very, very strong, very composed, good all-rounder, doesn't really have many weaknesses. Quite quick, um, and as you mentioned there, he, he's winning about eighty percent of his duels, his defensive duel, which is ridiculous. More than Van Dijk, higher than Van Dijk's number there. And aerially, he's winning about sixty-five percent, which is a bit worse than Van Dijk's seventy-five. But it's still a strong enough aerial duel success to to allow you to play, you know, a dominant game if if the opponent tries to go long 
it's not going to cause you problems if you've got him in your defence. So, yeah, I was surprised at how good his numbers were, actually. And if, say, for example, Arsenal were to target him in the summer and he were to get him, I think he'd improve the, the, the large majority of Premier League teams. I think he's a, he looks like a top defender to me. Do you think he'll uh, do you think he'll end up coming to the Premier League after the I keep coming to say the summer, but obviously we don't know what's gonna happen. But the next window, do you think he'll end up coming over to the Premier League? I, w- I wouldn't be surprised just because I'm I'm not exactly sure where else he could go. And I think Premier League defences are desperate for those those defenders that can cope basically when you mm. put such burden on their shoulders, some defenders just collapse. Mm. But he looks like one of them who's played under those circumstances for years, looks dead comfortable, and his game looks complete enough for him to just cope fine. Whereas yeah, if he yeah. if, if he had if he was a bit shorter, if he if he was less strong, if he was a bit slower, he'd start having problems. But because he ticks so many boxes like Van Dijk does, and I think he's only how old is he? Twenty twenty one. Uh, twenty one. Yeah, which is ludicrous. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And I, w- I will add as well that. Yeah, I don't know if this is fact or rumor, but I've 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 seen in various places that he's got a release clause, release clause, sorry, of uh, fifty four million. And don't get me wrong, I know it's high, but you know if if you think about things like his, I think he's worth that. Yeah, I was just about to say if you think about you know what is his potential, his potential ceiling, what he his output now at this age, you know that's that's a worthwhile investment that. Yeah, especially in considering Van Dyke went for about seventy-five at the age of twenty-six, twenty-seven, maybe. Yeah, Harry Maguire's yeah. just gone for about eighty million, aged again, I think twenty-seven or so. Mm. So we're getting a, a player that's complete as this in a sense of defence at the age of twenty-one for in and around fifty million. Yeah, he's, he was he was a no-brainer for me. Hence why for me he was the easiest to uh, to put in there. Yeah, no fair. Yeah. I'm glad that we agreed on one there. I'll let you uh, I'll let you go first on this one in case in case it's uh, your turn to steal the limelight a little bit on on, on saying the name first. So Although that, I, do, that, I do think we'll be different on this one actually, but go on. Yeah, I was going to say that then. Uh, so Joe Gomez then. Uh, yeah. My my uh, criteria it wasn't that different to Van Dijk in terms of I still want me defender to be fast because of the high defensive line. I want him to be aerially dominant if possible. I want him to be composed, strong, and, you know, if possible, good technically, because, you know, Joe Gomez every now and then just slides these little incisive passes through midfield and stuff like that. So I was looking for a player like that. And I ended up in, in League One, uh, St. Etienne, a player called Wesley Fafana. Um, I don't know what they've got in the water at, at St. Etienne, but that William Saliba is also there at the minute. He's going to Arsenal in the summer. Arsenal got him a year in advance. This for Fafana is also there, and he's just 19 I'm, years I'm, old, so we're doing it soon. I must say, you know, he's not on my, uh, he's not on my radar. He showed up on, on, on you know, the, the criteria. I was putting on the search and stuff, and I watched a few clips of him. And considering he's still a teenager, he looks really, really good. Um Six foot one, really good reading of the game. I picked up on for his age. Uh, mm. His style of defending is proactive. He, he, he reads the situation in advance and, and tends to kind of like 
dive out and make an interception or, or that sort of thing. So he reads plays in advance, which is obviously beneficial for a, a clock system, which is quite proactive and assertive and stuff. Yeah. Uh, looks as though he can cover ground quite well. And um, his aerial duel success, he wins about 69% of his aerial duels. So that's in between Van Dyke and Upamecano, really. Um, and his defensive dual success rate is about 66%. So again, they're, they're really good numbers. He's a teenager. He's six foot one. Playing for a team that you're going to be able to sign him from. So he was a... Uh, he's probably... Another, I don't think he's been on the scene for too long. I think he's maybe played a very, very few minutes at the end of last season or something like that. I think this season's his first real... You know, where he's becoming a little bit more established. But if he keeps playing like this, he, he looks really, really good to me. Um, looks like a top player. Yeah. yeah, no, he looks he looks good. It's, uh, it is funny that you mention uh, a, a French player because um, I'm about to as well. Um, I've 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 flagged. I suppose I should put on should mention from the from the start that my criteria was was fairly similar. I've I put things like you know looking for pace because you quite often see teams hit the ball in behind Liverpool's defence and you know you'll see Gomez often beating most attackers in the leg race. Uh, he's also powerful, good on the ball. Um, I've gone for Jules Koyundi. I think that's the right, correct, correct pronunciation, Seville. Um, 21 years old, signed for them last last summer from Bordeaux. Um, yeah, they paid £25 million for them, which when I was researching for this, I, I couldn't quite believe it, but I'm pretty sure I read that that was the highest fee they've ever pay, paid for a defender or a player, which... Doesn't seem a lot, but especially for a club as big as they are. But um, yeah, he's he's had another good season uh, in Spain. Um, he's six foot, so he's he's not the tallest really, um, but he's really strong in defensive duels. You know, he, winning just over seventy one percent. Similar to you know players we would talk about, he's really composed in one v one duels. Um, He's a really, really accurate passer of the ball. He averages around 57 passes per 90, which is about 10 less per 90 than Gomez. Um, but, you know, it, it, I don't like to... I, I don't want to harp on about success rate because I think we're all fans. We, we know now, that, you know, looking at success rates can be flawed, but he does look a really accurate passer. I thought it was interesting that he's averaging around 7.1 passes into the final third per 90 with a success rate of... 80% which is which is high you know I think Gomez attempts more than that but his, his success rate is much lower with the same so um, it says to me that he's a player that's kind of really good with his decision making on when to attempt more risky balls and, and make sure they come off um, he's he's not compared to the players that we talked about at the moment he's not as imposing in the air Um you know, yeah, for me, you kind of want players with an aerial dual success rate of maybe 62, 63% upwards. I think he was around 50 odd. I haven't got in front of you, but I think it was around, say, 55%. But I was quite surprised, I don't know if you noticed, Josh, that it's certainly in the numbers, at least Gomez's didn't look that high or as high as maybe you thought it might have been. I haven't got it in front of me now, but I'm pretty sure he was somewhere in the 50s as well. What's um, this for, aerials or? Aerials, yeah. Um, uh, I think he was. Uh, I think he was higher than that, you know. 
Oh, well, I, I mean, I could be wrong. Let's have a look now, actually. Um... It's frustrating to think in terms of the numbers. One thing you've obviously can't check is, is, is the pace. I think that's a massive aspect of Joe Gomez's game. I think yeah, one thing yeah. one thing that uh, Gomez has got in terms of his pace, it's it's not just his pace in Van Dyke's in the same way as Van Dyke. It, it's Gomez's acceleration. It's his, mm. his quickness off the, off the mark and how quickly he reaches his top speed. Virgil takes a few strides, but Gomez seems to seems to hit top speed very very quickly. And getting central defenders who are that mobile isn't really that easy. Yeah, I also think it's a little bit difficult to even scout that in that in the clips as well because it's uh, there doesn't seem to be much. Uh, it, it it seems to be difficult to isolate accelerations, which means you end up having to watch a lot of a lot of matches to try and find them. Um, yeah, I've got Gomez here at seventy percent. See, I've I think what if you include the Champions League that drops a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, so okay. I've included the Champions League and it goes down to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sixty-three, eight, uh, and he's at. See, so yeah, it, it, if you just focus on the league only, he's at sixty percent, which doesn't look that bad. But you know, I think we should include the Europa League because it was a big part of Seville's season. It drops to like fifty-two percent. Um, mm. So it's maybe just an area of his game that I think needs improvement. But listen, he's twenty-one. Um, looks really good. Again, another French defender. Um, they seem to be getting it all right at the moment with defenders, as you touched on there. Uh, he only got sold for twenty-five million last summer. Um, he, from what I could see on the clips, limited clips I did see, but he did seem like he had good pace behind him when it when battling with attackers to you know in duels or balls in behind. So I think he he could, he could be a really good player. And you know maybe he would be as expensive as other players we touted on the list. Twenty-five million last last summer. Even if you pay double that, you know that's fifty million tops. So, uh, yeah, as it's once again, if he's it, maybe his it, it, that next destination is in Anfield, but he's definitely definitely wants to watch. Yeah, yeah, interesting with the, uh, the French players. Yeah, seems to yeah. have a, a bit of a wave at the minute with just complete quality French. I mean, Upamecano is French, Raphael Varane is <laughs> French, Kaitzim is French. You know, you've got you you've got absolutely loads of them. I still can't believe. It. I feels like Vagan's been around forever, but he, he was showing in some of these. He's twenty five, isn't he? Uh, is he twenty five? I'm sure that he's a. Uh, crazy that. Let's have a look. Twenty six, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then again, he is. I suppose he is. It's his birthday in a few weeks, so that sounds about right. Maybe twenty six, twenty seven. But still, he does feel like he's been around for a long time. Yeah. Can you remember where Real Madrid got him from? No, I can't. You know, but I've got his Wikipedia page up here, so let's have a look. Lens. Lens. Okay, I was thinking it might have been another one from Sings Etienne. Uh, well, I mean, that, that, that would have fitted the narrative perfectly there. Yeah. I, 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 I couldn't believe when I seen that this for final lads was, was at Sings Etienne, considering they've got Saliba there at the minute, who's a similar age. Okay, he's gone to Arsenal, but to have two absolute complete centre-back teenagers come through mm. at the same time, so that was quite mad. Really surprised by that. Maybe, uh, uh, maybe it's said at the end of the start to watch in terms of what they're doing scouting wise. Yeah, yeah. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. So we'll move on then to the the final man. <laughs> uh, 
Trent Alexander-Arnold. Uh, did you find this one hard? Because I, I did. I, I think he's quite. He's such a I, fa- I found this the hardest. Yeah. I found this the hardest. And the, the reason I found it the hardest was because, and I said this a few weeks ago when we were picking our. Uh, we were picking our player of the year, weren't we? And yeah. we had like a, a numbers player of the year and a, a player of the year, all things considered. <laughs> and my numbers player of the year was Trent. And the reason it was Trent is because if you compare him to other right backs, He's just a different stratosphere in terms of like the way he plays, the long passes, switches a play, the passes to the final third, through passes, expected assists, free kicks. He really is different to any other fullback, any other right back, especially. So I found it tricky. Like, yeah, I, I guess with mine will be full of caveats, really, but it is for everything you've just ticked off on there in the sense that. I don't think you can find a like for like out out there at the moment for them. So I've just kind of tried to point out a really a really impressive right back that you know maybe does have some similarities, um, and that took me to again pronunciations nightmare. But um, this is why I write and I'm not you know on the telly. Um, Arcref Hakimi. Um, I was looking at him. Was it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. close. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure the commentary have said it's similar to that. So when I've when I've watched it, so I'm going to go with that. Um, but yeah, for those who don't know, uh, Bruce Dortmund player, although he is technically a Real Madrid player, he was he was he's been on a, I think it's been two a two year loan now. Uh, but it does end at the end of this one. Uh, but he's still just 21, and he's he looks a really really exciting player. Um, you know, I guess we'll we'll start looking as uh, expected numbers. He's he's got an XA of around four point three, uh, which is half of you know what what Trent is. But we have to bear in mind it's something that you you mentioned earlier with Robertson. Uh, Trent takes a, a lot more set pieces, which naturally you know bumps those numbers up. I'm pretty sure he's not the chief set piece taker at Dortmund. Uh, despite that XA, he's got nine league assists, which is which is really good. Um, he doesn't attempt as many balls or crosses into the box as Trent but not many do uh, he'll instead will often look to cut back and keep possession so you could say he's more risk averse um, but what I will say is a lot of that can be down to tactics you know the way Dortmund play um, you, you, you can argue that Trent's kind of give him free reign because of how good he is on that on that right side to put these balls in where there's, maybe it's the same for him um, what I will say is though he's a, he's a much better ball carrier um, I just had a quick look and for under 26 right backs across Europe's top 5 divisions who've played 750 or more league minutes this season he ranks second for progressive runs per 90 um, which is you know that, that's impressive uh, it shows that he's he's good at getting up up, up the field with the ball Um uh, yeah, well, another thing was uh, it, it, it kind of going back to I don't know negatives is uh, he does he looks pretty unremarkable in terms of the traditional defensive statistics, but again that could be results of tactics and it's it's something that you know gets associated with Trent a lot, doesn't it? Um, that you know people are critical of his defensive game and to be fair, me and you have been on the Analyze Anfield show once or twice, but you know. 
like Liverpool, Dortmund are often kind of defending in transitions. If you think that, you know the kind of dominant, and then the the ball's getting turned over, it's it's a lot more di- difficult, I think, to perform um, or excel in the defensive aspects of the game when it's when it's in those transition moments where everything's a little bit up in the air. Um, I think that's maybe why he's not showing that great, and why why Trent doesn't show that great either. But I still think he's a really really good talent, and you know he. He's definitely a player who I think could could compete and play in this current Liverpool side. Yeah, I think for me, he he probably was the player as well. But the the only reason I didn't select him is because for me, Real Madrid are just too smart to let a player like that go. Um, mm-hmm. I think they've currently got Ashraf on loan, who's a right back, and I've got Sergio Reguilón. I think is how you say it. On loan, he's a left back. I mean, I don't know why you asked me, but you are right with that one. <laughs> but the the both they've got a left back and a right back on loan. There, they're both, I think maybe twenty one to twenty three or something like that. Uh, obviously, they are not particularly ready to represent Real Madrid right now because they've got Marcelo, Mendy, Danny Carver, Haaland players like that. But I think Real Madrid's view is that Ashraf and Reguilón will will be. The, the starting fullbacks at Real Madrid going forward. So, although he's on loan at Dortmund at the minute, I'd, I'd be quite shocked if Real Madrid was to let him go. And you know, hopefully they do. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I, I've just put it here that I was wondering if maybe you know, um, if if he didn't want to kind of wait in the wings, whether they'd be happy to kind of cash in and bring some, you know, a lot of money in for the sale. Um, yeah, Real Madrid seems yeah. to be a team that Liverpool don't don't really ever do business with, unless I'm mistaken. I think Xabi Alonso might have even been the last player, unless I'm completely missing someone off his. No, you know that's a good point, actually. Yeah, you don't yeah. don't really see it, do you? No, no. Um, anyway, so my player, I I I think the, the criteria is quite obvious. Really, I, I wanted a, a playmaking type, but from from right back, which is quite quite crazy. Um, I wanted to play really, really good cross of the ball, really good delivery, good technique, um, the way he strikes the ball and stuff like that, good passer of the ball. So I'm, I was basically looking for like attacking midfield qualities, despite looking for a right back, uh, which is just mad. Um, and I found it tricky to find players. Did look at that Ashraf, but I, I ended up going for a player who. He's not really that comparable, but he's he's about as comparable as you you're gonna get really. And is it's Mehmet Shilich or, or Shilich or, or or something like that. Uh, Twenty three years old, plays for Lille. Uh, I'll just I'll I'll spell out his surname C E L I K. So Selich maybe. Uh, Twenty three years old, as I said, Turkish, plays for Lille. Uh, he's technically good. Uh, he's about as accurate as Trent is with his long passes, uh, but he doesn't attempt as much. I think Trent is completely out on his own, completing about, sorry, attempting about 13 per 90. Mm-hmm. This lad, I think, attempts about five, uh, which doesn't sound much, but if you remove Trent from, from the pitcher, it's still a decent amount. Uh, his XA expected assist isn't really that comparable, but I do think that that stems back a little bit to tactics, a little bit to the fact that Leo Lanz is reliant on 
on their full-backs as Liverpool are to pose a threat and attack. I think Lille, for example, have got the likes of Sumari in midfield and players like that who can actually provide a bit of progression. Um, for progressive passes, Selic does show up as, as, as quite decent to press the ball to file day frequently and things like that. A uh, few little tricks and things, but he, and, and he's about, I think he's about 5 foot 11, so in and around strength height, I think. Uh, defensively, similar to what you said for your lad, in terms of, I think he's about, I think he wins about fifty-eight percent of his defensive duels, which isn't bad, but it's not, it's nowhere near like Van Dyke levels or whatever. But I don't think many fullbacks are, to be honest. No, it's not, really def- it's not a defensive role anymore, is it? Which sounds crazy to say because you're part of the defence, but Anfield. Yeah, it's a, it's an, it's, it feels like now it's more predominantly an attacking role, uh, which is why you know. Your your shouts about McNeil, um, you know he he is a midfielder traditionally, but he could he, he could play that role. And you know there's we we've, we've mentioned a few of them. There's examples of players who've come in as as midfielders and now the wing backs because of how the the games have adapted over the years. Well, it's funny you should say that <laughs> <laughs> because the, the the alternative player that I mentioned that I had for this for this role, uh, you you said you've got one as well, didn't you? Yeah, but mine's really obvious, and it was more just something I wanted to bring to the table and get your thoughts on. But um, go okay. on, yeah. Well, I I was just going to mention, similar to Dwight McNeil, a wild card in James Ward-Prowse. <laughs> um, he's played about, I can't remember, you know, between 500 and 1,000 minutes this season as a right-back under Ralph Hasenhall. Um and the reason I've the reason I've I've threw in him threw him in there as an option is he's still only twenty five feels like he's been around for a while mm. takes all his team set pieces his delivery is brilliant you know you're like, not getting many better delivers of the ball in the, in, in the league he's like a set piece specialist isn't he really yeah but I I can just picture him picking up the ball in that half space position that Trent gets it and whipping it into the penalty towards the penalty spot. And those balls are a dream for for, for attackers to get on the end of them. I just think this season, considering he's played for a few minutes as a right-back, he's English, homegrown, 25. Um, Obviously, there's maybe a few doubts over what he's like in terms of his character, why he hasn't really been picked off the the Southampton uh, production line, if you like. Mm. But I just think in terms of the, the stylistic nature of his game, despite him technically being a midfielder. I feel like if you were to put him as Trent, in the large majority of matches, I think he'd, he'd do... He'd, he'd provide a similar threat, I think. So I just thought it was a bit of an alternative shout. Yeah, no, it is interesting because, you know, initially I was thinking, would he be, and you know, guilty as charged there. I was thinking about, you know, a, an Everton-type team where... Everton have got two really dominant uh, aerial threats in the box in the form of Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison. And, and, you know, they've had a lot of success with Sadibi this year, who's really good at crossing the ball. You know, he's quite the threat, but defensively, he's, he's, he's all over the place. But he, he's been playing a lot because of that. And I was just thinking then, you know, that that's obviously a concern, having a player who maybe can't perform at that same level defensively. But, when you're inside like Liverpool, where your defensive actions are few and far between, you know that does that become less of a threat? 
And in the case of Ward, Ward Prowse, you know, would that be, um, would his defensive capabilities be less of a concern because of how little Liverpool have to defend? Yeah, for me, hundred percent. For me, yeah. A few weeks ago, uh, a few months ago, sorry, I was watching Fulham, and every time I seem to watch Fulham, Joe Bryant seems to uh, seems to show up as a really mm. capable deliverer of the ball. I remember tweeting about it. I got a few replies saying he's not defensively good enough and things like that. But they are labels that were levelled at Robertson when he was a Hull. Gary Neville's actually came out and said we targeted Robertson when we faced Hull or something like that, or when we faced mm-hmm. Scotland or something when he was for England. Um, I think if Trent was playing for Southampton, you'd probably label Trent as a defensive liability. And I think it's—I don't think it overly matters that much. I think Liverpool's midfielders are more defensive phase players than Liverpool's fullbacks are. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Liverpool's fullbacks are predominantly because of how we play, wingers. Really, mm. and that's why, just as a you know, alternative shout if you like, for Liverpool's left back and Liverpool's right back, I've ended up picking out two, two basically wingers from from a lower down in the Premier League that would perform. You'd be able to perform mm. very similarly, without a lot changing, um, in this Liverpool system. You know, it's like, it's like mm. Trent. Trent, if you look at his positional heat map, where he gets his assists and things like that. You would think it was De Bruyne, but it's just because of where he's allowed to go, because of Liverpool seeing so much of the ball and things like that, and how Liverpool's system works. Mm-hmm. So I think if McNeil was to play left back for Liverpool and Ward Prowse was to play right back, albeit with plenty of training behind the scenes and stuff like that, integration and that, mm-hmm. I think it'd it'd keep Liverpool's offensive threat the way it is, um, with the defence hopefully not suffering as much. Yeah, because I, I mean. I don't even look at Trent as someone who's your, who, who is your, who, let me start again. I don't even look at Trent as someone who kind of you rely on to really drive and progress the ball either. You know, he, that feels like that's Robertson. You know, he kind of gets the ball up and, and is making these run like kind of good busting runs uh, down the flank. Whereas I feel like with Trent, it can be a little bit more, I don't know, I guess that's, would you say a little bit slower, a little bit more pedestrian where it's all about just getting in the right locations to to whip those balls in and you know yeah maybe Ward's prowse could be could be that type of player actually it's a good point yeah just whenever i think of Trent, i just think of him that inside right position um right on the edge of the final third ping and crosses towards mm-hmm. the penalty spot that's that's the, that's the vision i usually get or him switching the play from deep or or something like that uh and i just i don't really think that's that's too different to, to what World Prowse does anyway, regardless of thinking, you know, strictly positions, he's a left-back, he's a right-back, whatever. I think if you remove those, uh, you know, the, the, the same duties still apply, sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so we, we have our 11 anyway. Um, just quickly before we round it off, I just want to uh, I just want to say, did, did maybe not as a, as a Trent player, and as I said, this isn't news either, but I thought James, Reese James, was showing really well in the data. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to suggest him because I'd be amazed if Chelsea and Lampard nah. were to go to Liverpool, but he does seem no, to have a good just... balance of, of going forward and defending. Yeah. This is uh, this is maybe even, dare I say, unrelated to Liverpool, just as a general conversation between us. I just think he looks... Uh, he looks really good in, in the numbers and when you watch him, he's really good as well. I think he's going to be you know, a top player for like the next maybe 10 years or so. 
Yeah. Um, right. So I, I did say earlier on that that was that would be the end of the th- series in terms of recreating the Liverpool eleven, as though Liverpool's eleven didn't exist. But I've just had another idea inside the past five minutes of um, maybe we could find a coach to be and deliver what Jurgen Klopp does as though Jurgen Klopp didn't exist. Maybe that's what another episode, something we can maybe look into. So for those that are still with us, still listening right now, if that's something you'd be interested in, you know, give us a shout, reply in the comments, whatever. But if you'd like us to find as close to what Klopp currently is, as though Klopp didn't exist, then, you know, give us a shout and we'll do that rather than rather than going down an alternative route of, of, of another type of episode. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for joining us anyway, Dave. Yeah, nice one, mate. I enjoyed that. Yeah, same. And uh, hopefully we'll see you next week. Hopefully. Cheers, take care. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.